slapping sanctions on Nancy Pelosi, firing missiles into waters near Taiwan, and waging cyber attacks. Beijing reacts to the House Speaker's Taiwan visit, a serious escalation or a show for its domestic audience. The Pentagon is delaying a scheduled ballistic missile test after Beijing's fiery reaction to Pelosi's Taiwan visit. U.S. Senator Josh Hawley gives the only no vote as the Senate overwhelmingly favors Sweden and Finland's ask to join NATO, Hawley explains. And the U.S. relies on a single Taiwanese company for the most advanced microchips. But what would happen if China invades Taiwan? We bring you the details. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Friday that China's military exercises aimed at Taiwan were a significant escalation. These provocative actions are a significant escalation. We've seen how Beijing has attempted to change the status quo on Taiwan for some time. The Chinese military fired rounds of missiles into the ocean near Taiwan. It also sent out more than 100 planes, including fighter jets and bombers, and over 10 warships. Some of them crossed the Taiwan Strait median line, the unofficial divide between mainland China and Taiwan. The island also experienced an unprecedented number of cyber attacks, 4.9 million on Wednesday alone. Beyond that, the Chinese regime arrested a Taiwanese citizen doing business in China, accusing him of supporting Taiwan independence. Now, they've taken dangerous acts to a new level. China has chosen to overreact and use Speaker Pelosi's visit as a pretext to increase provocative military activity in and around the Taiwan Strait. The fact is, the Speaker's visit was peaceful. There is no justification for this extreme, disproportionate, and escalatory military response. The White House has summoned the Chinese regime's ambassador to protest against Beijing's actions. National Security Spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. aircraft carriers will transit through the Taiwan Strait in the next few weeks to maintain stability in the region. Congress is responding to defend itself. No doubt there's going to be a reaction to this trip from the Chinese, but we can't let China dictate U.S. foreign policy. We have the reality is China is exercising all sorts of, uh, of, of increased aggression uh, and aggressive behavior in the region, and the United States is going to have to adjust its own defense posture uh, to meet those new challenges. But another lawmaker argues the Chinese regime's reaction are mostly a show for domestic audiences. Look, China um, is going to try to look tough. I don't think they want to escalate. I think uh, Mr. Xi is running again and he wants to basically send a message to the Communist Party. But look, this is important for us as a country to, to recognize. Strength, when you do something out of strength, it actually makes conflict less likely. And by Nancy Pelosi following through and going to Taiwan, she sent a message that we will not be intimidated. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen said on Thursday her country would not provoke conflict, but would firmly defend its sovereignty and national security. We are calm and not impetuous. We are rational and not provocative, but we will also be firm and not shirk. 
Though the Chinese regime claims all of its missiles precisely hit their targets, some of them were fired into Japan's exclusive economic zone. That has prompted protests from Japan. Following China's drill, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi gave her stance on her high-profile visit to Taiwan. Here's more. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has defended her high-profile visit to Taiwan earlier this week, claiming it was never intended to change the regional status quo, but rather to preserve peace in the Taiwan Strait. Speaking at a news conference in Tokyo on Friday, Pelosi addressed the Chinese military drills and missiles which went off around the island in the wake of her unannounced but highly anticipated visit. She further vowed not to isolate the self-ruled island claimed by Beijing. They may try to keep Taiwan from visiting or participating in other places, but they will not isolate Taiwan by preventing us to travel there. We've had high-level visits, senators in the spring, a bipartisan way, continuing visits, and we will not allow them to isolate Taiwan. Pelosi's stop in Taiwan marks the highest level visit by a U.S. official in 25 years, where she met with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen and praised the island's democracy and human rights record. Beijing was quick to condemn Pelosi's trip, which also took her through Singapore, Malaysia and South Korea before ending in Japan, one of Washington's closest allies. The Chinese regime has announced sanctions against U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That's after her visit to Taiwan. The Communist Party considers the island part of its territory, though it has never ruled Taiwan. China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said in a statement on Friday that it will impose sanctions on Pelosi and her immediate family. The statement did not give further details about those sanctions. In retaliation for Pelosi's visit, the Chinese regime has also halted some cooperation programs with the U.S. That includes dialogue between senior-level military commanders and climate talks. The Pentagon is holding off on a planned missile test. That's after Beijing fired missiles toward waters near Taiwan, following House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's high-profile visit to the island. We do not believe it is in our interest, Taiwan's interest, the region's interest to allow tensions to escalate further, which is why a long-planned Minuteman 3 ICBM test scheduled for this week has been rescheduled for the near future. As China engages in destabilizing military exercises around Taiwan, the United States is demonstrating instead the behavior of a responsible nuclear power by reducing the risks of miscalculation and misperception. ICBM is short for Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. These weapons can be used to launch nuclear attacks against another continent. The U.S. regularly tests these kinds of missiles several times a year, and they're ready to launch at the president's order. This is the second time this year that the U.S. has delayed an ICBM test. The first was in March, amid Russia's war in Ukraine. The Pentagon's decision has come under criticism. Republican Congressman Mike Rogers, ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee, criticized the delay. He said, these weak-kneed, pearl-clutching attempts at appeasement hurt our readiness and will only invite further aggression by our adversaries. A renowned Taiwanese businessman is donating $100 million toward Taiwan's defense. He's urging the island's people to unite and, quote, see through the evil nature of the Chinese Communist Party. 
Robert Tsao is the founder of the world's second largest contract microchip maker, UMC. It's based in Taiwan. Today, I announced that I will donate 3 billion NT, about 100 million U.S., to help strengthen national defense. And I hope to awaken the people of Taiwan not to be greedy for money and not to be afraid of death. I am not interested in political elections, but simply hate the lies and violence of the Chinese Communist Party and hope that Chinese speakers will have a piece of pure land and a blue sky in Taiwan. Cao said that in the face of the Chinese Communist Party's threats, some people in Taiwan have developed a surrenderist mentality. Those who refuse to resist China and protect Taiwan are either ignorant, cowardly and weak, or have been bought by the Chinese Communist Party. The People's Republic of China is a triad organization masquerading as a state. Cao called on Taiwanese people not to cast their ballots for pro-Beijing candidates in the upcoming local elections. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan has increased tensions between Taipei and Beijing. The trip sparked an immediate buzz online in mainland China, and that jump came with concerns over cybersecurity. Across Taiwan, pro-Beijing messages criticizing Pelosi have appeared on advertisement screens and electronic billboards. One of them reads, the old witch's visit to Taiwan is a serious provocation toward the sovereignty of the motherland. Those who actively greet it will eventually be judged by the people. Many speculate that Chinese hackers are behind them. The screen is located inside a Taiwanese train station. Similar cases have shown up in some convenience stores, like 7-Eleven. The messages often directly attack Pelosi. Some of the screens bear tech giant Huawei's logo. The company is one of China's largest telecom providers. Many suspect that products made by the company come with built-in backdoors that can be manipulated by the original manufacturer. The Taiwanese government has warned the companies to enhance their cybersecurity measures. Tensions with China are escalating after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Now, the island's top microchip manufacturer says its factory will be non-operable in the case of a Chinese invasion. NDD's Chenny Wu has the details. The world's leading semiconductor manufacturer, TSMC, warns it would shut down if China invades Taiwan. America depends on this one Taiwanese company for the most cutting-edge microchips. Nobody can control TSMC by force. Uh, if you take a military force or invasion, you will render TSMC factory non-operable. Because this is such a sophisticated uh, manufacturing facilities. Liu explained that chip manufacturing is not an isolated operation and relies on global supply chains. So if you take it, out, take it over by force, you can no longer make it operable. TSMC is one of the world's most important chip makers. It makes most of the globe's most cutting-edge chips, which function as the brains for smartphones, computers and even fighter jets. Without chips, our modern life wouldn't be possible. U.S. chip giants like NVIDIA and Qualcomm depend on TSMC for chip production. Apple also goes to TSMC for iPhone chips. Our dependence on TSMC um, is 
is great, and the vulnerability of them to China is great as well. Senator Cotton said the semiconductor issue highlights America's responsibility to Taiwan. And this is one reason why Taiwan is not just a strategic and a moral question for the American people, but also vital to make sure that we don't allow the Chinese Communist Party to seize control of the world's most important chip manufacturer. The U.S. has been trying to reduce its reliance on Taiwan for chip manufacturing. The motion is adopted. Congress passed a massive bill aiming to boost domestic chip production. While the U.S. and Japan are also in talks about helping American firms boost chip production in Japan. Chen Wu, NTD News. Coming up, highlights from the final leg of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's Asia tour. We look at why some are concerned that there could be cracks in America's alliance with South Korea. Plus, the Senate voted yes to Finland and Sweden's request to join NATO, while one senator explains why he voted no. Hear more on that debate in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Following her Taiwan visit, Pelosi headed to South Korea. She says the U.S. wants to advance security, economy and governments there in partnership with the nation. Here's a closer look. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met top South Korean political leaders on Thursday, a day after her landmark visit to Taiwan. Pelosi met the South Korean National Assembly Speaker and other senior members of parliament. They had talks on regional security, economic cooperation and climate issues. Pelosi said the U.S. wanted to advance security, economy and governance in an interparliamentary way. Uh, we want to be able to work uh, together uh, for all of the purposes I mentioned, but to do so listening to our friends in South Korea uh, as to how we can do it best. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yul's absence from the meeting has drawn criticism. Some even say the president avoided meeting Pelosi in consideration of Beijing's reaction after her Taiwan visit angered China. In an interview with NTD, a South Korean expert expressed his fears. We can't give the U.S. an impression like that. The U.S. side might get confused, thinking that South Korea is appealing to both China and the U.S. This is really concerning. He points to the most pressing concern regarding the U.S., South Korea's alliance. The most important thing for South Korea is to keep its alliance with the U.S. in good shape and prevent war from happening on the Korean peninsula, just as the U.S. Army would intervene once there's a war. Defense strategy is an issue of life and death for South Korea. Our biggest concern is whether our alliance with America is able to continue if our president treats relations this way. The country's presidential office explained that Pelosi's schedule overlapped with the president's holiday schedule and that the two parties had already communicated about the absence in advance. According to a South Korean official, President Yoon Suk-yul spoke with Pelosi over the phone on Thursday. During that call, they reportedly discussed issues including North Korea's nuclear threats and the U.S.-Korean alliance. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida in Tokyo on Friday. She also met with her Japanese counterpart, Hiroyuki Hoshoda, the same day. 
The meetings come after her visit to Taiwan. The trip made headlines, though she said that her Asia tour was never about changing the regional status quo. Japan is her last stop before she heads back to the U.S. Tokyo is one of Washington's closest allies. The nation has become increasingly alarmed about China's growing influence in the Indo-Pacific and the possibility that Beijing could take military action against Taiwan. Beyond regional security, that could spell trouble for Japan because of how close some of its islands are to Taiwan. Senator Josh Hawley announced he voted against Finland and Sweden's campaigns to join NATO. He says the United States needs to refocus its military efforts on China, not Europe and Russia. He was the only nay on the measure's otherwise unanimous passing. Here's more. The U.S. Senate approved Finland and Sweden's joining NATO on Wednesday. That's the most significant expansion of the 30-member military alliance since the 1990s. The nuclear-armed alliance is led by the United States. Sweden and Finland applied for NATO membership in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February. Russia has repeatedly warned both countries against joining the alliance. Right now, the two northern European countries are able to attend NATO meetings and have greater access to intelligence. After all 30 member states approve the addition, they will be protected by Article 5, the NATO Defense Clause stating that an attack on one ally is an attack against all. Russia's unprovoked aggression in Ukraine has changed how we think about the world's security. That's why I strongly support the decision of these two great democracies, Sweden and Finland, to join the most important and defensive alliance in the world, NATO. Republican Senator Josh Hawley was the only no vote, while Republican Senator Rand Paul voted present. Our foreign policy should be about protecting the United States, our freedoms, our people, our way of life. And expanding NATO, I believe, would not do that. Expanding NATO will require more United States forces in Europe. More manpower, more firepower, more resources, more spending. And not just now, but over the long haul. Today, I submit that means voting against expanding NATO and focusing where we must to do what we must to deter an imperial China. We have to prioritize. We have to focus. And that means we have to do less in Europe in order to prioritize America's most pressing national security interest, which is in Asia with regard to China. It may take up to a year for the two countries' accession to be approved by all 30 NATO member countries. Up next, bad news for coffee lovers in China. Starbucks sales in China plummeted in the second quarter, largely due to the country's strict COVID-19 restrictions. In the three-month period ending July 3rd, sales at Starbucks' Chinese locations, open at least 13 months, plunged a staggering 44 percent. The chairman of Starbucks China cited mobility restrictions and lockdowns implemented under China's zero-COVID-19 policy. Starbucks' largest Chinese market is Shanghai, which was totally locked down for about two-thirds of the quarter. Poor profits in China led the company's international sales to fall 18 percent in the quarter. Starbucks sees China as one of its most important markets. The coffee giant has more than 5,700 locations there. 
Shifting to the UK, the arrest of Australian human rights activist Dhruv Pavlou has put a spotlight on the Chinese regime, specifically its tactics for suppressing dissenting views. Recently, London's Met Police arrested Pavlou following a fake bomb threat email. Chinese embassy staff say the message was sent to them from an account matching his name. But Pavlou says he's been framed. He's now out on bail. NTD's Jane Wirrell hears from a campaigner who calls fake email threats just the tip of the iceberg. And I was absolutely shocked when they told Activist me Drew Pavlou recently told us he thinks the Chinese embassy is behind a fake bomb threat email sent under his name. The campaign director for Safeguard Defenders, who's received email threats herself, says what's happened to Pavlou shows that this type of tactic and connection to the Chinese Communist Party has escalated. You said it's part of a transnational effort. So how does this form of harassment fit into the wider picture? So we've increasingly seen, and this is not only China, I mean, we see it coming from Russia, we see it coming from Iran, um, and as this, let's say, this clash um, that the authoritarian regimes clearly want with uh, the Western democratic world, with the democratic world, is, is growing. They are using more and more of these transnational repression tactics. Um, there's a wide variety of what they're using, the CCP in particular. Obviously, we know, we've known for a long time, they're very allergic to any criticism. Um, so as attention in the democratic world on the atrocities that the CCP is committing in China, in Hong Kong, is... Um, growing, they are using more and more methods to kind of contrast that. Now, it's always very important to remember the vast majority of victims, the biggest majority of victims is the silent community, are those people that managed to flee China from persecution, where we're talking Uyghurs, Tibetans, Falun Gong, um, you know, any activist, human rights defenders, journalists, anyone who's fled China, and we've seen that those numbers are rising very quickly. An email Hearth received on the 29th of March says she was being investigated by the National Security Wing in Hong Kong. It happened not long after she was vocal about trying to stop the extradition and deportation of four Uyghurs held in Saudi Arabia. She says fake emails have also been sent to discourage people from going to certain events. I think I'm OK to recall what happened, for example, with the IPAC G20 shadow um, summit that we did in Rome uh, in at the end of October last year, where, you know, a couple of hours before the actual event started, emails were sent to all the members supposed to, or to a lot of the parliamentary members supposed to be present and partake, saying that the event had been postponed. Um, by a day or two days. Um, and other activists have reported this on their demonstrations as well. So people will receive an email um, to kind of encourage people not to show up when the actual event is going on. Um, we obviously remember there's been emails within the UK Parliament of people supposedly resigning their positions and so on. So these kind of spoofy emails, um, spam, fakes, threats, uh, it's it's very... It's very constant, and I don't want to minimize it. Uh, it's obviously a hassle. People have been reporting emails sent to their family members instead of themselves. So even you know widening that circle um, and and making threats there as well. So it is growing. It's it's escalating. Um, what we've seen with Drew is definitely the worst, I think, so far. The fact that it's happening on a larger and larger scale. I mean, this is definitely someone 
or a group of people with a lot of time on their hands to follow every single thing we we do. So, I mean, I, I would think there is some more organized, an organized aspect to it, whether that's governmental or not is, is, is too soon to say. But obviously, I mean, we, we, we kind of know their tactics. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.